Well, knock, knock. Spring. Exactly. Exactly. Guys, we're so thrilled that you're here with us this morning. My name is Aaron, and I'm one of the pastors here. And we understand you could be doing a lot of things on your weekend, but you chose to make our gathering a priority. We believe it's a priority, and so we're thankful that you partner with us in that. Uh, if you're new here, we're continuing today in this series called Re. And so if you've only been coming a couple weeks, maybe you haven't heard an explanation of why we chose to do this particular series. So let me give you some backbone to the particular series that we're in right now called Re, R. You see, we understand that all of us throughout our life, at some point, we just, we kind of get off the path, don't we? We start to veer away from the things that we know. I mean, if we were to have a conversation, it's like, I know that's important. I know it's something I'm supposed to be doing, but for whatever reason, we drift. And sometimes, not always, but sometimes, the areas where we drift, drift from are areas where Jesus has actually given us specific directions. And so what we wanted to do in this series is say, okay, let's do this. Let's have a conversation around a handful of things that we probably all have a likelihood of drifting in. And throughout this series, our hope is that we've given you some tools so that we can get you back on path. And once you get back on path, that you can develop some guardrails that next time you drift, because you will, and I will too, that we won't go so far off the path that it causes devastation in our life. And so as we continue in this re-series today, we're going to look at the word reinvest. And let's start here. How many of you have ever said the words, man, I just don't have time for that or something equivalent to it, right? I mean, it could have been a knock on the door from a solicitor right when you're about to eat dinner with your family. It could have been a phone call from that person that you really don't have time or want to talk to, and you think to yourself, I don't have time for that, and if you're sitting beside that person right now, I'm sorry. It could have been that your your kids get sick in a season where you already feel stressed and overcommitted, and you think to yourself, I just don't have time for that. Let's go through a quick list real quick and just see if you can identify with some of these. When we get a really bad headache, ain't nobody got time for that driving down the road and you finally figure out you've got a flat tire. Ain't nobody got time for that. Right, when it's snowing on May 18th. Ain't nobody got time for that. Or your kids wipe boogers all over the walls in their bedroom. Yes, I just said boogers. Ain't nobody got time for that. In church. Real quick, I mean, throw something else out. What don't you have time for? Just throw it out, throw it out. What don't you have time for? School. School, yeah. Car repairs. Good, so one more time. That Miss Brown tells Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't ain't nobody got time for that. Well, guys, ultimately, we have to be careful because even though this statement can can and is true, oftentimes, if we're not careful, we start to make this statement or this sentiment in areas where God says, I'm actually wanting you to make time for this. Subconsciously, what we're saying is, it's not really worth my investment, it's not worth my time. It's not worth my talents. It's not worth my treasures. Now, there's another aspect of this conversation that is actually commendable because if we're looking at our lives and prioritizing the things that God clearly wants at the top of our list, this allows us to invest invest our lives in such a way that we keep the most important things the most important things. And so they actually get the most of us. In his book, Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less, Greg McNown says this. He says, learning how to condense 
and edit our lives down to the essentials allows us to do more with less. He then expounds on this idea of editing and just entertain me this morning because I want to talk about this idea of editing. He, he, he says something that's fascinating to me. He said, when it comes to the, uh, like the, the awards that they give out for movies at the Academy Awards, two-thirds of the time, the film that wins Best Picture also wins Best Editing. And so maybe what we can deduce from that is that the better that we are at editing our lives, which is removing the trivial, unimportant, or irrelevant parts of our lives, the better story that we will actually tell. Now, for those of us that follow Jesus, there's a caveat to this. Because although we are telling a story, we're not telling a story that will give us an award. We're not telling a story that will bring attention to us. Our hope as Christ followers is we're telling a story that will ultimately point to Jesus. And so as we look at this idea of reinvesting our lives this morning, I think that there are three primary areas where all of us would most likely benefit from taking a second look and maybe doing some editing. And there are these three areas. Our time, our talents, in our treasures. Several years ago, I invested a whole lot of my time and talent, well, maybe not talents as much, but treasures. And yes, this is an empty beer bottle. Corey drank it before he got up here this morning. <laughs> Just kidding. Many years ago, I learned that I was consuming way too much of this stuff. And ultimately what I learned is that I wasn't just consuming too much of this. What I was learning is that this was beginning to consume me. Now, it may not be this for you, but you, you fill in the blank. Because it's probably likely, if not now, in the past, maybe some point in the future, that we invest our time, talents, and treasures into something that begins to actually consume us. And so by the age of 21, I already had four alcohol ch charges including a couple DUIs. So I decided to give up drinking and some other bad habits, and I replaced it with this tenacious pursuit of health and fitness. And I even changed my major. But When I started college, I was a physical therapy major, and I changed it to exercise science and became a personal trainer. And I invested a lot of my time and a lot of my talents and a lot of my treasures into this new lifestyle. And, and although on the surface, all of this sounds good, it's like, hey, before my time and, and talents and treasures were invested into something that really were causing, dev causing devastation in my life, so now health and fitness, of course, that would be a really good thing, and that's what it looked like on the surface. But over a period of many years, I began to, I began to be consumed with the way that I looked. And so what I learned is I traded one selfish behavior for another. But on the surface, everything looked honorable and commendable. But what I was learning that was vanity was taking over my life. Friends, sometimes we have a tendency to invest our time, our talents, and our treasures into things that seem admirable on the surface. They really do. But underneath, we know they're actually selfish. Areas like our job, personal success, health, Yes, even our kids. And these are all admirable things to pursue and invest in. And I would encourage you to invest in these things, but not at the expense of investing in God's kingdom. Because when any of these things or anything else you add to the list or anything else that you put on this little pedestal, what you'll learn is 
it's a bad investment. Which leads me to our one thing this morning. Friends, the investments that we make in God's kingdom will far outlive our earthly window for reward. And what I mean by that is when our window of time is done here, we don't take our intelligence with us. We don't take our degrees with us. We don't take our stuff with us. We don't take our money with us or anything else. But don't miss this. Our prayers, they will outlive us. The traces of God's love that we leave everywhere that we go through generosity and through serving and through loving and helping others, those will outlive us. When we make investments in God's kingdom with our time, talents, and treasures, we are making investments, and if you allow me to use some business language, that reap eternal dividends. But so many of us, at times, we veer. And we begin to drift away from what we know God wants us to invest in. But imagine this. And I hope, I hope God does this. I don't know if he will or not. But imagine when we get to heaven and we're actually looking at Jesus face to face. Imagine if Jesus says, hey, come here, come here, come here, come here. Come here. Let me show you something. You remember all those investments you made on my behalf? Not necessarily your behalf. Those investments that you made that you weren't really looking for your own personal reward, but you were looking on how you could make me famous. Let me show you something. And what if Jesus actually said, hey, you remember when you did that? I want you to see how many lives it impacted. And friends, I truly believe this. I believe that number could be as high as hundreds of lives, thousands of lives, tens of thousands of lives. And if you were to just combine everything that we hope to accomplish through this church, hundreds of thousands of lives because of our desire to reinvest our time, talents, and treasures into something that would reap eternal dividends. And believe it or not, one of our biggest competitors or distractions is something called the American dream. And the American dream is this lifestyle that begs us to invest all of our time and talents and treasures in a way that builds our own personal little kingdoms. In other words, the investments we make in this life are all about how we can be rewarded now. Jesus actually touches on this subject of instant reward, and he does so by talking about a different subject, but it's actually going to parallel to our conversation this morning. And he does this in Matthew chapter 6. And so if you have your Bibles, feel free to open them up or turn them on, and we're going to make our way there in just a few moments. But let me set this up. You see, from a very young age, Jesus had the opportunity observing to observe the spiritual leaders of his day. And by observing these guys over many years, he started to notice that a lot of their investments, even underneath the banner of God, even underneath the banner of spirituality, a lot of their investments were for their own personal reward. Let me show you what he says here. Matthew chapter 6, verse 2. He says, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. Give you some historical context here. There were actually Pharisees that were just really uh, kind of... Uh, these religious leaders that went around and uh, wanted to be noticed by a lot of people. But one particular set of Pharisees were called trumpet Pharisees. And they would literally blow a trumpet and let you know everything that they did. Hey, I've given this much money to the poor this week. 
I've tithed of this much of my cumin and spice. I've served this many people. I've been to the, to the Jewish synagogue and I've been to the, the temple this many times. And they wanted the reward for themselves. And so Jesus is calling them out right here. Verse five, he says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into a room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. Let me paraphrase. Stop investing in things that will only bring you a reward. And we all have a tendency to do this. Sometimes we even have a tendency to do this underneath the banner of God and faith. Let me show you what Jesus says next in verse nine. And I'm gonna pivot off this verse and take us in a little bit different of a direction. In verse nine, he says this, this then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Don't miss this, as it is in heaven. Friends, we have the opportunity to bring pieces of heaven to earth if we will learn what it looks like to reinvest our lives, focusing more on building his kingdom and not our own. A few weeks ago, I got a chance to go visit a friend I haven't seen in a while. They don't live in Colorado Springs and uh, went and spent some time with them, just a good visit. It was there a couple hours and letting them know everything that was going on at Trace because I love bragging on you guys. I love bragging on what God is doing here. And then I left and the next day they sent me a text and said, hey, Aaron, would you come back? We've got something for you. And I said, sure. And it wasn't too long after I walked through the door that they handed me a check for $15,000 for this church because they believe that Trace is a place that is attempting to bring a little bit more of heaven to earth. There's a gal who comes here sometimes who actually is an HGTV star in personality. And she comes here when she has the opportunity and, and she told us, she said, listen, when you guys get your new facility or if you guys get your new facility, I actually wanna do all the design work pro bono because I believe that what you guys are doing is bringing a little bit more of heaven to earth. And my hope is that all of us are ready to invest our time, talents, and treasures in the new facility that I just signed paperwork on last week. Yes, we have a new home for Trace Church. So, But you have to listen to the rest of my sermon first. I've got more to say about that. But we'll have some fun with it. So every time you hear me say the word new facility at any point throughout the rest of the sermon, just cheer and, and have fun with it, okay? Because I am gonna talk about the new facility later. Okay. You, guys, you guys are good. You catch on fast. This is a good thing. Guys, the investments that we make in God's kingdom, not our own, will far outlive our earthly window for reward. But for this to become a reality, we must fight the, fight the temptation to blow our own trumpet, to write a story 
where we hope to get an award or trophy, but instead live in such a way and reinvest our lives in such a way that it keeps pointing people back to Jesus even after we close our eyes for the very last time. Maybe this little chart will help you in understanding some of the things that we have to fight against. Let me show you a couple things. When we focus on me first, and everything is about you, that's narcissism. When we focus on family first, and yes, family is a very important thing that you should invest a lot of your time, attention, and even resources in, yes, but when it becomes first, it's nepotism. If we focus on a people group first, it's racism. And when we focus on our country first, it's nationalism. But when we focus on God's kingdom first, it's what it means to be a Christ follower. There is no ism there. I tried and I looked, but it just didn't work. So, friends, that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That we put his kingdom first. And yeah, we got a lot of obstacles, a lot of things that are going to get in our way. But man, when we all come together and we learn what it looks like to be a trace of God's love everywhere we go, man, we start to get this. One of our vision values here actually says that grace leads to generous people because a natural response of our life because of what Jesus did for you by giving his life on a cross for your sin and my sin, a natural response to that should be generosity. And so one of our vision values here is that grace leads to generous people, generous with our time, with our talents, and with our treasures. So let me ask you a rhetorical question. Caleb, if you'll throw that slide back up there real quick, the the first. Where's your number one? It may be something that's not on this list, but where's your number one? Let me close by showing you something that James, the brother of Jesus, says, and I think it's very relevant for our conversation today. It's a verse that I've actually been going back to for whatever reason in this season of my life, and I just keep going back and looking at this particular passage. Let me show you, let me show you what James says here. Verse 13, look here, you who say today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and will stay, stay there for a year. We will do business there and make a profit, meaning that we're going to make some investments with our lives. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. So what you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Let me paraphrase that a little bit. Where God wants us to make investments. That's where we make investments. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. This passage makes me think of a phrase that when we get in our new facility, you, you could do better, but that was not bad. That was not bad. When we get in our new facility, we're going to have a, this phrase on the wall somewhere. And it simply says this, it's our time to do our work. Now, this is one of those statements that I call it a statement to stare at because the longer you stare at it, the more it starts to make sense. Guys, it's simply our time to do our work. Whatever window of time God has given you, I I don't know. Whatever window of time he's given me, I don't know. But what I do know is that I want to make investments with my life that will far outlive any reward that I will receive right now. And I want you to do that too.
one of the main reasons I planted this church is because I wanted to invest my life in such a way with whatever window of opportunity God has given me and invest in something that will far make an impact for God's kingdom even when my life here is done. And so I wanna invite you into that partnership with us. And as we continue to build the culture and define what this particular church looks like and we move into our new facility, good job. Guys, partner with us. Reinvest your time, your talents, and your treasures into something that will reap eternal rewards. Let me pray for us. Father, man, I got to raise both hands up when it comes to this idea of pursuing our own personal little kingdoms. And I feel like the more that I've allowed you to refine me, Lord, I feel like that I'm moving away from that particular mindset. And God, I pray that we're a church that represents this idea of investing in kingdom endeavors that will far outlive our earthly window. For, <laughs> Lord, this is one of those conversations where I have no doubt, and sometimes it's hard for us to understand this, but I know that you can do anything. But I know when every one of us that have put our, when we put our faith in Jesus, our, our salvation is secured. So when we get to heaven and we're actually looking at Jesus face to face, the only thing that will have mattered are the investments that we made for his namesake. But we get distracted. We get caught up in our own personal reward. We get caught up in telling a story that brings attention to ourself. And God, I'm just asking that you help us all to open our eyes and to start to look at the world differently. Understanding that our window, the way that James says it, is like a morning fog. It's a mist here one day and then gone the next. And so, Father, I pray you partner with us and help us to see how we can invest the time, the talent, and the treasures that you have given us in a way that will reap eternal rewards. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.